0: First question. First question over here on Genesis 39. Uh, yeah, so if you talk about, uh, you know people will always say that uh, Jesus was a friend of sinners and he hung out with sinners and things like that. But then Joseph is doing everything he can to avoid this thing, this woman, you know? Yes. So talk about that contrast and how we should think about that. Okay. Reaching out, evangelizing the lost, but in this case, he's avoiding her because she's enticing him to sin. And so, you talk about that? Today? People say Jesus was a friend of sinners. He hung out with sinners, which equals, in their mind, that we can go to the places of sin, to the houses of sin. We can go to the casino. We can go to the nightclub. We can go to the racetrack. We can go wherever people are getting drunk, gambling, taking drugs. Go to places like that, smoking cigars, whatever. They do those things. We can do those things because Jesus hung out with sinners. That's the argument. They're using Jesus as an excuse for their own sins. They want to sin, so they make Jesus endorse their sin, saying Jesus hung out with sinners. That's not true. There is no example in the Bible of Jesus hanging out with sinners the way that they mean it. Jesus was never sitting there in a brothel watching the men come to the prostitutes. He was never there sitting there watching it, shooting the breeze, drinking a cup of water with them. He wasn't there doing anything like that. He was never there. He never went to a casino and said, hey, let's go to the casino inside and let's do this and let's do that and we'll do some evangelism too. He didn't do anything like that. He never went to a nightclub. These examples I'm giving to you are not out of nowhere. It has actually happened. People make excuses. Jesus was with sinners. Therefore, I can go to a nightclub. They say that. And after all, I'm going to evangelize in the nightclub with all the dancing and loud music. No, they're lying. They just want to sin in the nightclub and they use Jesus as an excuse. There is no example of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the righteous one, God's holy servant, who did things like that. He never did that. He was with sinners to evangelize them. He was with sinners, unbelieving sinners, to evangelize them. And he was with repentant sinners to disciple them. But he was not with blatant, unrepentant sinners while they are sinning. He was never with them like that. Let's use Matthew 5 to show that. Matthew 5. Matthew 5 27 to 32. Matthew five twenty seven to 32. And after that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and rose up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call righteous men, but sinners to repentance. In this passage, this actually was used one time to refute Christians going to nightclubs. And the youth pastor said in response, Well, people... uh, cheat on taxes all the time. So Matthew, Matthew, Jesus went to Matthew's place of work where cheating would have been going on. That was his answer to this. And I said, Matthew isn't cheating. He's a disciple. And now he's going to be following Christ as a, one of the 12 disciples. He was under John the Baptist's ministry. Now he's under Christ's ministry. That's what's happening in verses 27 and 28. And so Matthew is not blatantly sinning in the tax office. He's not an example of that. And then Matthew here, or Matthew or Levi, as he's called in this passage, Levi holds a reception in his house for tax collectors and other people. Okay? So Matthew is a repentant sinner. All of us are repentant sinners. Matthew is a repentant sinner calling others into his own house. It does not say explicitly whether the other tax collectors and other people in the house were repentant sinners or interested sinners who are hearing the gospel for the first time with Christ. It doesn't say it explicitly right here in verse 29. But we do have an explicit statement by Christ. Christ in verses 31 and 32 Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call righteous men, but sinners, to repentance. Here, by this point, we know Jesus is saying, in Levi's case, he's already well now, right? But in the case of Levi's friends, Matthew's friends, they are the sick ones, they are the sinners who need to repent. So what was Jesus doing there at the reception? Preaching the gospel to them. But were Matthew's friends, his tax collectors and other sinners, let's say tax collectors, let's say thieves, let's say um, adulterers, adulteresses, let's say idolaters, let's say people like that, okay? These are Matthew's friends, Levi's friends there. Are they, while they're sitting there, doing any of those sins? Of course not. Do you think Matthew is letting the adulterers and adulteresses have a a bedroom on the side while Jesus is there in the house? No No. So they're not practicing their sin in Jesus' presence. So Jesus was in the presence of sinners to call them to repent and believe in the gospel, or he was discipling repentant sinners, those who were already believing and repenting. He was Discipling them, and the Pharisees would not like that either. They just wanted their own rank and file, their own uh, their own culture or their own clique at, in the leadership to be the ones that, that got attention from Jesus. But Jesus was helping all of those in the lower ranks of society, and they they hated that yeah. because they didn't want anything to do with those people. They just wanted those people's attention and money, but they didn't want to mingle with those kinds of people. That's just like a mega pastor's today. Yep. So, Jesus taught interested sinners the gospel, but he was not in the midst of unrepentant sinners, letting them sin in his presence. Just think about the character of Christ. If Christ were present while people are sinning, do you think Jesus would say, I'm going to wait for the Holy Spirit to lead me before I say anything? If people are sinning right in His presence, do you think Jesus will say, I want them to remain my friends, so I'm not going to say anything? Do you think He would have taken any of those approaches, approaches people take today? No. He would have said something then and there. Whether little or a lot, whatever meets the occasion, He would have said something so that people know where He stands. That's the, the character of Christ. Look at all of the... Incidents, all of the examples given to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's the character of Christ. He doesn't keep quiet when somebody's sitting right in front of him. He says something about it. Whether that person brings it up to him or not, he says something about it. That person sometimes brings it up. Sometimes he himself brings it up, and the person doesn't say anything. Jesus initiates the conversation. So Jesus, he did. Avoid sinners while they're sinning in their places of sin, he avoided them. He didn't make excuses to be in their presence and and say, I'm evangelizing them. I don't know how it's possible to evangelize in a nightclub when the music is blaring. I don't know how it's possible to evangelize a drunkard when he's drunk. I don't know how those things are possible. And any other examples? Do you think that when a thief is in a store and he's practicing his thievery, then he's going to say, uh, listen to you, hey, listen, I, I know you're stealing, but hold on just a minute. Hold on just a minute. I just want to share the God. Do you think he's going to do that? No. No, use your minds, people. Use your minds. This is the reality, biblical reality, and the reality we all experience. So, whenever these things come up, understand them as deceitful diversions. No doubt. That's what they are. Deceitful diversions. Nobody wants to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and nobody wants to hear those words. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And nobody wants to believe repentance for forgiveness of sins. Very few people understand repentance for forgiveness of sins. Okay. Next. I was uh, just thinking there, he was not only teaching or spreading the gospel to the, those people in Matthews, so are the, the Pharisees and the scribes are there. So he's, he's teaching them too, correct? Right, yeah, he's teaching them too. But they don't have the platform. See, even Jesus is not there while they have the platform, they have the pulpit, and while they're teaching false doctrine, he's not sitting there keeping quiet and saying, well... This is not the occasion because I can't go to that pulpit. They have the pulpit. I just need to keep quiet. I'll, I'll hold a side conversation. No, he's not tolerating listening to them with, with their inundation of false doctrine. He's not listening to that either. He's not doing that. Yes, the Pharisees and scribes and others were there, but they don't have the platform. Jesus and Matthew have the platform. So he, he also brought those sinners in, Matthew. They really, yes, they he did. Yes to, yeah, to hear. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whoever will come willing to hear. Yes. But sometimes you think they're coming willing to hear, but they come to cause contention. Yes. In, in verse nine, you address the greater and lesser uh, evils. Yes. And, uh, in reference to Mark twelve, Jesus thirty-eight. Is this another example of what we have? Yes. Okay. In reference to greater and lesser evil, is Mark twelve thirty eight to forty another example of it? And it is another example. Let me read it. Mark twelve thirty eight. And in his teaching he was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces, and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honour at banquets. They are the ones who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Greater condemnation. Greater is the key word. Yes, it's an instance of greater and lesser evil. They know better. They are the teachers. They have the authority. They have the knowledge. They have the word of God. They have the platform to teach the Word of God, and yet they live contrary to it, blatantly in contrast to it. Not only that, but they exploit the helpless, they devour widows' houses. Another question? was thinking uh, Joseph when uh, Pharaoh comes after him from, from his allegations from his wife normally would they not have put him to death because of the crime he committed and being a foreigner ok in reference to you mean uh, Potiphar, Potiphar, not for, yes, Potiphar yes yeah, Potiphar would the uh, punishment normally be the death penalty for doing that Perhaps so, but the text doesn't say. The text doesn't say. And number two, it didn't actually happen. The adultery didn't actually happen. She didn't allege that. She just alleged that he tried to do it. She didn't say that he actually did do it. She just alleged that he tried to do it. So, so even if the death penalty were applicable, there was no evidence for it. And that was not her allegation in the first place. Who else? Yes. Do we possibly conclude that this was a trap for Joseph? All the men were, everybody was out of the house, which gave a good opportunity for her to pursue him further. Her previous tactics weren't working, so let's make sure no one's there so that I can actually grab hold of him and try to force him. Was this a tactic that she pursued in order to accomplish adultery? Yes, you know, she made sure you know none of the men were in the house. No one left in the house. It might be the case, um, but it says in verse eleven it, it says in verse eleven, Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. So when it says, and it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work it might be that maybe she was attempting it and she wasn't successful, but it portrays it here in verse 11 that it happened to be that way. She wasn't actually planning it, but once she saw it, she took advantage of it. She exploited what suddenly happened to her. Not to say that people don't plot and scheme the way that they do to accomplish sin. Of course they do. But in this case, it may not have happened that way. I was wondering if Potiphar <clears> that was appeasing his wife is why he went in, put him in the prison to appease her, to, to comfort her. To, yes, was he, he appeasing his wife? Know. Probably so. Because he still trusted Joseph, but that's only way. Yes, he was appeasing his wife and this is typical of husbands. They want to appease their wives. They don't want contention in the house. So the way to remove contention is to appease. Do you know that Potiphar is not the only one who did this? This is common to all, but we have Adam in Genesis 3 who did so. Because it says that Adam was with her. She gave to her husband who was with her. And then God says explicitly to him in 3.17, Genesis 3.17, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife in in the sin. It's not wrong to listen to the voice of your wife, but if it's to sin, then it is wrong. And that's what he meant. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Don't listen when the wife is tempting to sin. Tempting the husband to sin. Then they should not be heeded. Remember Ahab? Wasn't Jezebel, wasn't Jezebel, one who incited Ahab to sin against the Lord? First Kings sixteen. First Kings. First Kings. First Kings sixteen. Twenty nine. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings who were before him. Then chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 25. 1 Kings 21, 25. Surely, There was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel his wife incited him. Jezebel his wife incited him and he acted very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. Jezebel incited Ahab. Nothing new there. Job Remember Job? His wife incited him, and Job resisted. Job's wife incited him, but he resisted. Job 2. When Job's afflictions came upon him from God, Job 2.9 and 10. Job 2.9 and 10. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job didn't sin when he presented this answer to his wife. All right, we have time for one more, one more question. Yes. It would save Potiphar a lot of embarrassment if he just did whatever his wife wanted and did not have to get rid of her, divorce her. Because even then, let's say he does, he does some research. He's supposed to investigate. According to Deuteronomy 19, 15 to 21, he's supposed to investigate thoroughly. Everyone's supposed to investigate thoroughly. Two or three witnesses, 2 Corinthians 13, 1. He did not do any of that. He didn't ask Joseph. He didn't ask anybody else. He didn't check the evidence. He didn't do anything. Um, If he had done so, and she was in the wrong, then it spoils his relationship to his wife. It, It may not end in divorce, but it absolutely spoils it. But if he just believes her, then he gets rid of Joseph he has his wife, and everything goes back to normal, except the blessing of God. Mama, happy wife, happy life. Yes, happy wife, happy life. If mama ain't happy, nobody happy. What's that? If mama ain't happy, nobody. If mama ain't happy, nobody <laughs> is happy. That's right. All right. Thank you.